Welcome to the Centerpoint Vineyard Podcast. We're a church on Sydney's northern beaches, seeing lives transformed by Jesus. We hope you enjoy this message. Cool. Well, uh, we are in a series called Add to Multiply, Preparing for Growth, and we've been looking at the church as multiplication, disciples making disciples. And last week, Benj came down from Greenhouse Church um, and spoke about the church being countercultural. And I was going to speak this morning on something entirely different, but I've bumped it to next week. I'm doing that a lot lately. <laughs> Not my usual routine. Um, I bumped it to next week because next week I want to look at um, uh, the bib- biblical economics, really. So tithing and multiplication um, and giving and generosity. Uh, but I want the majority of us to hear that. And so knowing that there were going to be a whole chunk of us away this morning, I thought I would swap the weeks. Um, So I'm going to speak this morning. It may be for some of you a little bit of revision, but uh, I'm going to be speaking on being naturally supernatural people. And the reason is because we want to normalize that here. We already do that in a really beautiful way. Um, But I'm aware that there's a a bunch of new faces in the room uh, over the last few weeks. And so want to make sure that what we're teaching and equipping you in is the kind of stuff that we feel like we're called to lead into and lean into as a church. And we'd prefer to over-equip here at Centerpoint at the risk of repeating ourselves than under-equip the body of Christ. So uh, that's what we're going to be leaning into this morning. Basically, how do we pray in a naturally supernatural way? And I remember that the first time I ever prayed for someone in a kind of prayer ministry context, uh, I was about 13 years old. It was at a youth conference called Soul Survivor. And uh, one of my dad's friends tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, we're going to go pray for people. Come with me. And I was like, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm a, I'm a 13-year-old kid. And he's like, no, just come with me and just watch what I do. And so he said, you know, put your hand on the person's shoulder. And so I did that. And he's like, now just listen to see if the Lord asked you to pray anything specifically. And I can't remember what the word was, but this random kind of prayer came into my head. So I just sort of spoke it. And this guy just broke down in front of me. And the guy was like, good, pray that one again. And so I prayed again, again, he just broke down in front of me. And that, from that point on, I was kind of hooked in seeing the spirit move and bring freedom in people's lives in a way that we can teach and equip all of us to do this. Um, from 13-year-old kids or younger, um, all the way through. This is about being family and being the church. And uh, we absolutely here at Centerpoint value the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a major aspect of seeing him work here by is creating an intentional space for prayer ministry. Um, and the reason that we want to continually teach on this, and um, apologies again if this is some revision, but there is a fair bit of confusion and assumption around the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. And so we want to make sure that we're just being really plain and clear about it. Um, particularly if you've come from different backgrounds, sometimes certain backgrounds uh, of church don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Um, so this might be really fresh and new for you. Um, some other contexts talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot, but they do it in a way that we um, perhaps find somewhat unhelpful. So we're going to be speaking about how to be naturally supernatural. And this is this morning not a formula that I want to give you, but rather it's a model. So this is not like a spiritual vending machine where if you say the right words or put in the right currency, boom, out comes your Coke, your miracle. 
Um, this is about kind of a starting platform for us to all begin somewhere and then follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in. It's really a model to launch from. And our model for prayer ministry was really Jesus' model for ministry, which is I only do what I see my father doing. So we ask him to come and show us and then we follow his leading. And if we don't know how to pray or what to do, we just wait and ask him to show us. That essentially is the model. Um, a couple of key values here and in the vineyard um, that we want to we wanna talk about. Um, John Wimber developed a five-step healing model. Uh, you may have heard of that or be somewhat familiar with that. That's kind of a launching pad for praying effectively for physical healing and emotional healing. This is essentially the same model, but probably a little bit broader. Um, so it applies to all forms of prayer ministry. Uh, and John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, gave a great little definition for prayer ministry when he said, prayer ministry is meeting the needs of others with God's resources. And that's essentially what we're doing. People, all of us come with needs. And at certain times, the Lord will put his finger on it and say, hey, I want to deal with that particular need this morning. So rather than dealing with that in a human way, we rely on God's resources. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and fulfill that need. And when we're talking about prayer ministry, really practically, what we're talking about is we're being intentional in creating time and space when we gather in community, which is why we do it every week, to pray for and with each other, to create space for the Holy Spirit to minister to the person that we're praying for and with. And the key is really creating space for the Holy Spirit to work. Francis Chan, he's a, a pastor from the US and he's kind of passed in a different, various different contexts from house churches to mega churches. Uh, but he wrote a great little book on the Holy Spirit called The Forgotten God. And he writes this, the benchmark of success in church services has become more about attendance than it is the movement of the Holy Spirit. There's a big gap between what we read in scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers and churches operate today. And here at Centerpoint, we want to be a church that values the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. And he goes on to say that if the Holy Spirit were to leave our churches, many churches would just continue to function as they always have, which is quite a sad reality if you think about it. It's potentially a little harsh, but I think it's somewhat true. And we don't want that to be our story here at Centerpoint. One of the reasons that Tanya and I felt called to plant this church was we looked around and we didn't see many churches that were operating in the ministry of the Spirit in a really normal, accessible, and naturally supernatural way and creating space for it regularly. So that's what we want to do. So a couple of values, prayer ministry. Uh, I've got four quick values, I think. Uh, the first is we value the work and leading the Holy Spirit. So we, we don't do the work. He does. We just hold the space open for him to work. The second is we value the dignity of the person. So we don't force stuff on people. We don't kiss people, lick people, push them over, spit in their eyes. Jesus did do that, but, <laughs> but we value the person's dignity, which means we always ask for permission when we are going to lay hands on somebody or pray for somebody. Um, that person may not want you to pray with them, even if they're looking like the, the Spirit's meeting them. They may just want to be in that space of meeting with the Holy Spirit themselves. So we always ask for permission and we always give people an opt-out option. So we don't make assumptions. We don't pressure people. Sometimes in prayer ministry, you can guide somebody and like, hey, I wonder if the Lord's asking us to respond in this way. You can guide them, but you never pressure them or force them to do something. So you value their dignity. Number three, we value being naturally supernatural. Um, 
And that's a word for allowing space for the Spirit to work without being weird. God can be weird if He wants to be, but we don't have to be weird. Um, a lot of churches, even Pentecostal ones, have progressively stepped away, I think, from the ministry of the Holy Spirit um, or minimized its prominence for fear of weeding people out. The solution to not weeding people out is not to minimize the ministry of the Spirit. Otherwise, there would have been really no reason for Pentecost. Jesus could have just told his disciples, here's a book on being a seeker-sensitive church, go and build them. But he didn't. He said, wait for the Holy Spirit. So the, the, uh, the answer to not weeding people out is to not minimize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The solution to not weeding them out is to minister in a naturally supernatural way. So we just dial ourselves down and we let him do the work. And if you're worried about what unchurched people might think about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we here prefer just to leave that up to God. He's been dealing with the lost a lot longer than we have. Steve Nicholson, he's a vineyard leader in the US, he recently said that the most effective form of evangelism, in his opinion, is still bringing people to church and seeing them encounter the Holy Spirit. And we've seen that a number of times here. We've seen people come from a non-church background or not yet knowing Jesus and the Lord meets with them. The Holy Spirit meets with them and opens their heart to him. And it's just beautiful to see. We've had wonderful examples of that. So the way we be natural, supernatural is we don't try and make something happen. We don't have to hype anything up. The Holy Spirit comes down. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. So we just try and do the same. So in many ways, the pressure is completely off us. He leads. We just bless whatever he's doing. And the fourth value is everyone gets to play. And this is an old vineyard classic way of saying, if you love Jesus, you can do this stuff. The only qualification in the kingdom of God for ministering in the kingdom is that you love Jesus and your life is in submission to him. So if you're not, uh, th th this sort of stuff is not reserved just for experts or pastors. This is everybody. This is a body of Christ thing. We all get to be involved in partnering with Jesus and seeing the kingdom break in. Uh, John Mumford, he's uh, a vineyard leader in the UK. He says whenever he teaches on this, normally someone will come up to him and say, oh, I just don't feel qualified for this stuff. And so he says, okay, well, do you love Jesus? And they say, well, yeah. Do you feel weak? Well, yeah, that's why I'm coming here to, <laughs> to speak to you. And he says, okay, tell you what, put your hand on your wrist. And, it, and they think that he's going to pray, pray some like prayer of commissioning or something. He says, do you have a pulse? And they say, yes. And he says, go pray for the sick. <laughs> go do this stuff. Um, and I love that's a vineyard way of saying, go, go, and, go and do the stuff of the kingdom. We all get to play. We all get to do this stuff. And we've seen Jesus do some wonderful things amongst us in the last year, particularly actually in the last few weeks. Um, I know we're quite small here this morning, but we've had some beautiful times of worship and the presence of Jesus has been coming in our worship and people have been getting healed without anybody praying for them. I mean, that is amazing. It's just the Holy Spirit working through us, ordinary people bringing his kingdom. Um, and there's a fifth value, sorry. The fifth value is it's about demonstrating love. People always need to know that you love them and that God loves them, regardless of what happens. Whether they get their need met or not, they at least need to leave feeling like they are loved. So how do we approach it? Well, there are generally two theologies when it comes to ministering in the Holy Spirit. The first is what you could possibly call a more Armenian position. That's where we are the active initiators 
and God responds to our initiation. And the biblical basis for that one would be a text like Mark 5, where the woman was bleeding, you might know this text, reaches out, grabs Jesus' cloak and receives a healing. Power came out from Jesus in that time and he said, who touched me? Um, those of us who have spent some time in perhaps more Pentecostal circles might recognize this. This is kind of like reach up and grab a blessing, kind of name it and claim it a little bit. Um, we're the initiators and God responds to our initiation and honors that. The second theology is what we might call perhaps a more Calvinistic approach, which is we lean more into the sovereignty of God as the sovereign initiator. And we get this one from John 5. So if you want those two texts, Mark 5 and John 5. And John 5 is where Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda. And there are lots of people there who are needing healing, yet Jesus goes to only one of them and he gets healed. And his disciples ask him about this later and he explains in John 5 like this, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. So which one is it? Is it Mark 5 or is it John 5? Well, it's both at the same time. There's a tension there. Sometimes our starting point for a prayer ministry might be a need. Someone comes here with an obvious need, perhaps it's healing. Hey, I've done my back in, can you pray for me? And so we say, hey, we value healing here. We value praying for the sick. So we're gonna press in and we're gonna initiate and we're gonna see if the Holy Spirit comes and blesses that. It's kind of Mark 5-ish. It's a reach out and grab the cloak of Jesus. But then there are other times where it's the Father who initiates and we simply respond to whatever he's doing. So we, you may notice we, we spend time just waiting and watching and we're like, Lord, where are you working? Oh, it looks like he's doing something over here. What are you doing, Lord? We're going to bless that. And that's more of a John 5 approach. So it's a both end. And the key is we don't make a formula out of these approaches. Prayer ministry is never a case of putting the correct prayer into the spiritual vending machine. That's just not how it works. But did you notice that both of those approaches lead us towards intimacy with the Father? As a parent of two small humans, the first approach is kind of like Blakely climbing up to my knee, onto my knee and asking me for something that she wants. The second is I've got something that I know that Blakely would love. And so I bend down and I say, hey, would you like a strawberry? Would you like a piece of chocolate? Both involve presence. And that, my friends, is the key in all of this. God's power is in his presence. We don't seek God's power. We seek God's presence. His power and everything else we need is always found in his presence. So the model for prayer ministry, very easy model. It's kind of four steps. It's invite, wait, watch, and respond. And I love this model because it's completely transferable to any place. It can be used in a church context like this. It can be used in a small group like your huddle. It can be used in a hospital. It can be used in a shopping center. It can be used in a school playground, wherever. It's just a great starting point for creating space for the Holy Spirit to come and move. Invite, wait, watch, and respond. And so a couple of main pointers. We just ask for permission first. Don't assume that the person is okay with anything. Always ask permission. Hey, do you mind if I pray for you? Do you mind if I lay a hand on your shoulder? And we never force anything on anybody. And then if, we, if they're up for it, we lay hands on the person. So... Jesus did this, his disciples did this, Paul demonstrated this. In scripture, laying on of hands is throughout both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's primarily seen for physical healing. 
for spiritual deliverance from evil spirits or bondage from sin. Uh, it's for imparting the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's for giving authority for going into ministry or teaching. And it's for imparting spiritual blessing. And really practically, I find it helpful in case someone falls over. <laughs> um, the key is not to make somebody fall over or have somebody fall over. The response to the Holy Spirit is simply that. It's just a response. We're not so fixated on what the response is. We're fixated on whether or not they've met with Jesus. So whether they involve falling over or not doesn't really matter. And in fact, sometimes falling over is um, distracting for people. There's some people, that, that's a barrier. They're like, I don't want to fall over. And so it almost becomes a wedge between them and receiving. And so in that case, I just say, hey, well, can you sit down on the chair? We'll keep praying for you. The key is not to get the person on the floor. Um, so as well as laying hands on their shoulders to start with, I'd also get them to open up their posture often. Don't force them, but it's just like, hey, um, if you feel comfortable, do you want to pop your hands out before the Lord? And that's just kind of a way of, in the physical, becoming receptive to what your heart is saying in, in the spiritual. It's the physical marrying, marrying with the spiritual. It's just a way of receiving from the Lord as if he were to give you something like a bowl of ice cream. You receive it with two hands. It's just hands open before him. And so then we go into the model, invite the Holy Spirit, step one. It's the Holy Spirit who does the work, not us. And he likes to be invited. Um, it's not that he wasn't there to start with. It's not like he's not here amongst us already. He is. He's been doing stuff whilst we've been worshipping, whilst we've been listening. But it's a way for us to say, okay, we're now being extra attentive in this moment to what you're saying. And we're asking him to come and bring all of his kingdom. We don't do that necessarily with a long prayer. In fact, Jesus taught us to do the opposite. <laughs> taught us to speak small prayers. So it's just Lord Jesus... We invite you to come by your Holy Spirit and meet Bob. Come Holy Spirit. And that word, that prayer, come Holy Spirit, is one of the oldest prayers in the church. We're just choosing to open ourselves up to his leading and asking him to come and do what only he can do. And it's rude to invite the Holy Spirit and then not wait for him. So that's step two is wait. Invite and wait. We're often told in scripture to wait on the Lord. And that's both a command as well as an invitation. And it takes people often a bit of time to just put their stuff to the side, what they've been carrying from the week, um, even their desires for the Lord to meet them, all of the stuff that we bring into any kind of prayer ministry context. It just takes us a while to put that to the side and to engage with the Holy Spirit. So we just wait for that to happen. And whilst we're waiting, we're watching. And this is where I would encourage you, if you're praying for somebody, to keep your eyes open. It's not absolutely essential, but often if our eyes are closed, we miss something of what the Holy Spirit's doing in the person or on the person. Um, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. Now, a lot of people think that that's like looking with spiritual eyes. It's actually not. Well, it can be, but it's mostly just looking with your physical eyes. Like, Lord, are you doing anything here? And you're just, you're literally looking for some physical manifestations of the Spirit meeting somebody. In the same way that if you were to put your finger into a PowerPoint, your body would react. Nine times out of ten, people have a physical reaction in some way to the Holy Spirit coming. 
And as I said before, it's not about what that physical reaction happens to be. That's just more an indication of, okay, the Lord is doing something here and we can press in and bless that. So some people shake a little bit. Some people shake a lot. Um, Some people might kind of sway back and forth. Some people might quietly weep a little bit or loudly weep. Um, Sometimes people's eyelids flutter. And I've tried this in front of the mirror. You can't actually do it yourself. It's, it's a, a non-conscious um, response. Like people's eyelids just flutter when the Holy Spirit comes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Some people might fall over. And as I said before, it's just a great idea in that point. If, if they're not comfortable, um, have them sit on a chair before they fall over. So that they're not distracted by that. And whilst we're watching, we're listening and we're asking, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing here, Holy Spirit? How can I partner with you in this moment? And so the last step is we simply respond to whatever he is doing. Um, We've spoken about this previously, but in the listening, we're listening to the still small voice of the Lord. Now, that might be a word of prophecy. It might be a word of encouragement or a word of knowledge. Um, often those little insights from Jesus are like little keys, like the starting point to unlock a door that the Holy Spirit then wants to come into and bless. Um, so pay attention to your thoughts. Um, there's a podcast on, the, on our podcast on how to listen to the voice of God and what that sounds like. But more often than not, it's just like a little butterfly landing in the back of your mind. It's like a little thought. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through our thoughts more than we realize. So just pay attention to some of the thoughts that are coming whilst you're praying for somebody. And um, often a little word of knowledge will just be maybe a single word. You might, you might see it or you might think it, or it might be like a picture in your mind's eye. Um, that might be like a physical body part or something like that. You're like, oh, I wonder if the Lord actually you know, wants to heal your right knee. Do you have pain in your right knee, for example? Oh, yeah. So what we're trying to do in this moment is just what are you doing, Holy Spirit? And we want to partner with that. We want to bless what that is. Sometimes people just get kind of a gut feeling about something or like an inner impression. I do know some people that see a physical, like a physical word, they see a word almost like written over somebody. That's sometimes a way that a word of knowledge will come. Let's say, for example, that word of knowledge is something like anxiety. Now, we always say that We want to make sure that what we're praying and speaking is biblical and it's strengthening and it's encouraging. That's from Corinthians. So how would a word like anxiety be strengthening or encouraging? Well, you don't just say, hey, you have anxiety. You phrase it in your delivery in a way that is encouraging. You say, hey, I just wonder, you know, have you been anxious recently? And can I pray that the Lord bring his peace into that? You don't have to make it a big fanfare. You just and then that person just says, actually, yeah, I have been quite anxious. And so then that is your starting point for how to pray effectively in that time. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Just make sure that whatever you pray, you deliver it in a really humble way. That's just really normal, really naturally supernatural. So you don't say like, thus saith the Lord or anything like that. You just speak in your normal voice and use language that allows room for error because none of us hear 100% of the time. Could just be like, hey, I just had a thought or... I wonder if, or I could be wrong, but would you mind if we prayed into X, Y, Z? And that then is just allowing space for the dignity of the person as well, upholding that value, because they can say then, 
no, you're wrong. <laughs> I'd prefer you not to pray that. Or it's not forcing something on somebody. Um, the, the important thing to remember in prayer ministry is that it's not a counseling session. So the idea is that we're creating space for Holy Spirit to work rather than you counseling that person in how they should live their life. So we're creating space and we're only praying what we feel like the Lord is asking us to pray. So we invite the Holy Spirit, we wait, we watch what he's doing and we respond to it. And that is a great model. You can do that very quickly. You don't need to spend lots of time. Um, let's say you're in a shopping center and you notice someone that need, has a need you say, hey, can I pray for that knee that, that I can see you're on crutches? And they say, yes. You don't spend five minutes waiting on the Holy Spirit in that time. You trust that he's already working. Um, and you can then go into that. You invite, you say, come Holy Spirit. We invite your presence to come and move in power. And you have a quick little think, is there anything specific, Lord, that you want me to pray? And go from there. When we're in a context like this, we have a little bit more time, a little bit more space to sit and to rest in his presence and follow his leading. Um, so we wait a little longer. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm aware that was kind of thrown together quite quickly, but um, hopefully that's helpful for a bit of a how and why we do things the way we do here. Should we do that together a little bit? How about we stand? And we're just literally gonna do that. We're gonna invite the Holy Spirit, we're gonna wait I'm going to watch what he's doing and respond to that leading. You've been listening to the Centerpoint Vineyard Podcast. To connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or by visiting our website, www.centerpointvineyard.org. The theme song for this podcast is Highest Praise by Kieran Del Hart. So we see-